0: All American Pure beef and Lettuce, tomato, this is Rock and Roll Radio. Come on, let's rock and roll with the
1: Ramones. Good evening. Do not
0: attempt to adjust your radio. There is nothing wrong. We have taken control as to bring you this special show. We will return it to you as soon as you are grooving. Welcome to Station W E F U N K, better known as We Funk, or deeper still, the mothership connection. All hit radio. All right, you're listening to All Hit Radio, and it's fifty-three degrees at 13 minutes past the hour. And right now in our all request line, I've got Mike Ledgewood on the phone. Hey babe, what would you like to hear? Hey, babe, I'm sorry. I can't hear you too well. You're going to have to speak a little closer into the phone. Okay, babe, what would you like to hear again? We are observing your Earth. Hey, Mike, I'm sorry, babe, but that's not on our playlist. And by the way, you sound great over the phone. Anyway, if you give us your request, we'll be glad to play it for you, babe. So let's hear it. We are observing your Earth. Ah, uh, listen, Mike, I'm sorry, babe, but we... Can't. And we'd like to make... I'm sorry, Mike, we... There's a contact... For 46 members
2: welcome to two World farts talk sci-fi i'm david clank And I am Troy Roth Hargan, and this is our fifth episode. I think my text says six, but I think it's my our fifth episode of season three. Today's episode looks at Galactic Rock. We're scheduled. We are recording it on Saturday, June eleventh, and scheduled for broadcast on Saturday, July thirteenth. We have a special guest. Lee McCormack, who loves rock and roll and is an expert on Bruce Springsteen. Before that, Troy will give us a
1: spoiler alert. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm pushing the spoiler alert button. Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! There you go.
2: Thanks, Troy. We're recording the session via Zoom. In the interest of transparency, Troy has known Lee for 15 years, and I have known Lee for 15 minutes. Let's introduce our special guest. Lee McCormack is a Canadian multi-instrumental songwriter and podcaster. As a musician, he has played in Mal Havoc. He's headed up professional tributes to Johnny Cash and The Clash. He has also played drums as Ringo in various Beatles tribute bands. In addition to this, he's recorded his own material at the legendary Sun Records Studio in Memphis, Tennessee. In 2020, he released a single, Train to Heartbreak, backed with Every Night's a Saturday Night. Lee has been the host and producer of Tramps Like Us, a Bruce Springsteen podcast since 2016.
1: Welcome, Lee. Hey, Lee.
0: Hey, how's it going, guys? What's happening?
1: It's, it's going good. Really looking forward to this show.
0: Yeah, good times. Thanks for having me on.
2: No worries. Looking forward. Uh, Before we get into Galactic um, Rock episode, Troy and I would like to know about your early genre loves and all-time faves. This is something we like to ask our guests. We want to know how you were first introduced to the speculative genre, whether it is the written word or its cinematic universe. Two Old Farts Talk Sci-Fi is a look back to when we fell in love with the speculative genre, to recall these times with fondness and Affection. I think the character Roy Lee, played by William Lee Scott in the 1999 movie October Sky, may have said it best when he said, let them have outer space. We got rock and roll. Sweet. Lee, what was your first speculative genre memory?
0: So uh, speculative genre. Remember, you guys are saying that's encompassing like what sci-fi, superhero, like horror, horror
2: yep, fantasy, yeah, whole, horror, all of that. The whole
0: ball of wax. But not like rom-coms and like <laughs> no, not yeah, yeah, dramas, nothing like that, right? <laughs> you got it.
1: Basically, stuff that your parents wouldn't want you to see at a too early an age. <laughs> I guess. Well, this-
0: The first memory, I guess, would have to be Star Wars. I was born in 74. So Star Wars came out in 77. So my first memory of Star Wars is kind of the toys. I think I had the toys before I saw the film. And I believe they re-released the film in 78, 79. And I believe I saw the re-release with my parents at a drive-in. Cool. So I have memories of seeing like the first Star Wars movie at a drive-in. And being, like, right into the toys and all that stuff. And uh, around the same time, I was into uh, Superman, the film. That was 78, Mm. I think. So that was huge to me. Like, that just, those two films were huge to me in my childhood. You know, so, you know, and then at the same time, that's when I started reaching out towards, uh, you know, anything else within that genre stuff, like watching Star Trek on TV, Battlestar Galactica, that kind of stuff. So that was my earliest memories would be kind of that late 70s uh, sci-fi superhero Superman kind of boom that happened then
1: yeah what a great time to be a kid
0: oh absolutely yeah great memories all that stuff
1: yeah
2: now sometimes the answer is the same but the actual sort of first speculative genre thing that you actually fell in love with, which may or may not be the same thing that introduced you to genre. Cause maybe later on, you suddenly actually really fell in love with some idea or concept or a TV show or movie. Is there something that you've got?
0: Uh, well, I mean, I fell in love with star Wars. I was mm-hmm. huge on those first three star Wars movies and I still love them. You know, I, mm-hmm. I love that stuff. So, uh, You know, I'd have to say the original uh, Star Wars trilogy would be my first kind of thing that I fell in love with, you know, and everything kind of spawned from that. My interest in uh, horror movies would kind of come later as I, you know, uh, became older into Mm. my teen years is when I started getting into horror more, Mm. you know. Uh,
2: we'd like to get into your all time genre faves. Uh, here are some rapid fire questions about your favorite genre things. Genre we have is science fiction, fantasy, and horror, and their mashups and their sub uh, genres. When we talk about genre, that's what we mean. So we are just looking for titles, but if you feel the urge, you can expand a bit. We do wish to get to talking about Galactic Rock soon. So Troy will ask these questions.
1: So, Lee, what's your favorite genre film? And I guess that's Star Wars again, right?
0: Well, close. I'd have to say, Empire Strikes Back would be my oh, absolute favorite, right? Sweet. Because that was a that came out in eighty. So I'm I'm six years old when that came out. Wow. Summer eighty, I believe that was maybe the first time I was actually in a movie theater. We used to go to the drive-in a lot as a child, but I think mm-hmm. the first time I was in like an actual theater was opening night of Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, May 1980, I remember my dad took the whole family down to uh, I think it was the University Theater in Toronto and we lined up opening night. It was a huge theater and I just have incredible memories of, you know, that night going to see it in the big theater, the all the uh the hoopla around it, lining up, everybody was so excited opening night and then seeing this incredible movie after, you know, a couple of years of playing with the toys, you know, seeing Star Wars the original film in the theater and just being just loving this whole Star Wars universe, and then seeing Empire, which is probably the best film of the whole Star Wars genre. Mm. Seeing that movie, and it was dark and Darth Vader, and it was just—you know—I just loved it, man. As an eight-year-old kid, it was, or six-year-old kid, it was a uh, phenomenal seeing that movie. Yeah, so that my absolute favorite. Yeah,
2: and the whole lead up to it, like you might have been too youngly at the time, being like six or eight or whatever, a young kid. But there was so much hoopla and so much anticipation about who lee princess leia would end up with whether it was you know han solo or or luke skywalker and mm-hmm. i think maybe as a 6 year old that wasn't what mattered to you at that time
0: no but i knew about the love connection because i remember there's that scene where leia kisses luke in that movie and then there's the uh the uh <laughs> the, the sexual tension between han and leia on the falcon and stuff uh-huh. like that and then there was also the big reveal about Darth Vader as your father. I remember how huge that was back then, right? Like it was so... Uh, sorry, spoiler alert, but uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but that yeah. was so huge when it was like Darth Vader is Luke's father. Like it blew everybody's mind. I remember people right. talking about that in school and on the streets and everything, you know.
1: Mm. Wow. I, I wish I was that age now to see that film because as much as I love it, and it is my favorite Star Wars film too, it's like, it's got such a dark edge to it. I can't imagine the intensity of watching that that young. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm I'm (laughs) enviously. Uh, do you have a favorite, uh, genre TV show?
0: Uh this was a tough one because I mean Dukes of Hazard is not part of the genre. Three's Company is not part of the genre. Right. Right? So <laughs> so if I had to pick a TV show, I'd probably go uh Does Incredible Hulk count? Yeah. Bill Bixby sure. Lou Ferrigno? Uh-huh. That, mm. that show, I love that show. Early eighties. Friday nights for me were Dukes of Hazard and then uh followed by Incredible Hulk. I, I never mm. never missed that for about four years straight. I just loved it. And uh, you know, I thought that was incredible, Bill Bixby and then the whole Lufthorpe No changing into the Hulk, I thought that was fabulous.
1: Dr. David Banner, physician, scientist, searching for a way to tap into the hidden strengths that all humans have. Then an accidental overdose of gamma radiation alters his body chemistry. And now, when David Banner grows angry or outraged, a startling metamorphosis occurs. Is driven by rage and pursued by an investigative reporter. Mr.
2: McGee, don't make me angry. You wouldn't like me when I'm angry.
0: I tried to watch Star Trek as a young kid, but because they were on in a syndication, I remember Sunday afternoons visiting the, the relatives, and we'd always watch Star Trek on the afternoon. And you know, I was a Star Wars fan, so I tried to get into Star Trek, but I, I just couldn't grasp it. You know, it wasn't there wasn't enough like. I don't know hand to hand combat like right. uh, starship fighting like there was in Star Wars. A lot of introspective uh, stories and a lot of a lot of words and talking and dialogue. And I just I didn't get it till later. Yeah, Same with the first Star, Star Trek film, I tried that and I couldn't grasp that right until Star Trek Two: Wrath of Khan. I really grabbed me. Uh, but yeah, I like Battlestar Galactica as well a little bit. Uh, but uh, you know, yeah, my favorite was would probably be Incredible Hulk if I had to pick one for the genre.
1: Mm-hmm. Is there a single episode of a TV show that really stands out for you?
0: Uh, I can't remember. I remember there was a, wasn't there one where he fought the a Sasquatch? Like, didn't he fight the Sasquatch from
1: Six Million Dollar Man? Is that an episode, I think? Uh, that would be great. I don't, don't <laughs> recall. But that,
2: was, that was Six Million Dollar Man, though. There was the Six Million Dollar Man where he fought the Sasquatch. So maybe yeah, that, that was can played by or. Andre the
0: Giant. The wrestler played yep. the Sasquatch. But I thought yeah. there might have been a crossover episode where he fought. Like I remember, there was an episode where he fought Thor, the Incredible Hulk, uh, and there were. There might have been a Sasquatch. I remember I was on a cruise ship about ten years ago, working and one of my uh, playing in the orchestra, and one of my roommates brought the entire DVD complete series set with him. Oh, okay. I ended up watching that uh, back then, ten years ago. So, but I, I can't grab a, a single episode right now. But uh, yeah, you know, I saw the series.
1: Yeah, I have season one of uh The Incredible Hulk, but that's it, just season one. So I don't remember like yeah. Sounds I I'll go with your 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 sort of memory on that.
2: But also uh, if I can just jump in for a second, Lee, this might have been also part of your beginnings of music and just loving that kind of because that walking away theme oh, yeah. in the Incredible Hulk is just a beautiful piece of music. Oh yeah. The little yeah. piano
0: thing. And especially the uh the intro where they would do yeah. the kind of backstory, tell the story of how uh you know, David Banner got, you know, zapped with these gamma rays and he's fixing the tire on the on the highway. And he <laughs> slips and he turns in the Hulk and the eyes glow and it turns into that sort of pseudo kind of disco TV theme kind of thing. Oh, it's great, right?
1: <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I was thinking even the films that you mentioned, the first two that you mentioned were Star Wars and Superman. So you've got music by John Williams. Mm. And uh, so I think that's probably uh, part of that's probably appealing to your early musical senses. Um, do you have a, a favorite genre novel?
0: No, nah, I couldn't I couldn't go there with you. For for novels okay. like like with novels like I'd love to say uh who's who's the guy? Is It Jules Verne that the yeah. uh, he's he's kind of heralded as like the first sci-fi writer yeah. kind of thing, right? Yeah. I'd love to say that, but you know uh I used to love uh novelizations of movies. When they would do those, so I like I read like when ET came out, I would buy the book. I would would get the novelization of ET and some Mm -hmm. of that stuff. Like a lot of that stuff was they would write the books after the movies. Yeah, sometimes sometimes a movie would be based on a book, and sometimes they would a book would be based on a movie. But when they put the book out, they would pack it with more details because they could stretch it out longer than a two-hour film could contain, kind of thing, right? Mm -hmm. So I was into a lot of that. Uh, I loved movies, so I would find a movie I like and then I would read the book after so a lot of stuff like that Star Trek books and Star Wars books I would read but uh yeah I can't really pick a favorite one novel or an author
1: okay how about a favorite genre now theater production. We can skip any of these if you like, too. Like, well, like
0: I don't know. Like, are you talking? Are there a sci-fi theater productions? Like a sci-fi musical? Like, you,
1: well, there are a few. Did you, David, you want to? And you can some, even you can even ones. count uh,
2: Frankenstein. You can count Phantom of the Opera. Yeah. Um, these kinds of things. The one with the big plant that grow that becomes big. Oh yeah, Little Shop um, of Horrors? Little Shop of Horrors. Oh, yep. I love
0: Little Shop of Horrors. i remember seeing seen that in the theater. I love it because I'm a, a huge uh, Rick Moranis fan. Oh yeah. Mm. So, uh, mm. so that yeah, seeing that film was great. I love that
1: one yeah, I was yeah speaking of rick moranis you were slaying me when you when you throw in your clips on tramps like us of the zoom into me eh no no no, <laughs> no come over to me zoom in here
0: okay. yeah we're just about to launch we're just about to launch a new podcast where we're doing you know those uh those minute podcasts where they take a movie and you analyze it minute by minute oh yes yeah we're doing a podcast based on strange brew where we're analyzing oh. strange brew minute by minute so we're uh we're up to about 50 episodes, and we're, we're about to start releasing them soon, so uh, look forward to
1: that. Well, all I can say about that is beauty, eh?
0: Yeah, beauty. You. Um,
1: <laughs> you know what? I have to tell you, there is, in terms of uh, genre theater, I've not seen this. I'd only heard about it, but Bruce Willis was in a theater, like an on-Broadway version of Stephen King's Misery. And to me, that just sounds like it would have been a, Awesome to see. First of all, I think Bruce Willis would play that character so well. Yeah. And I and it's a, a story that is um suitable to be, you know, <laughs> on stage, like just one because it's basically once the accident happens, it's all in that room, really. Uh yeah, but I, I was
2: thinking, okay, so is Bruce Willis playing the writer or is he playing the Kathy <laughs> Bates character?
1: Because that would be very cool if he was the Kathy Bates character. Yeah, I want to see Bruce Willis in drag saying cock a <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> How about things in the lines of like comics?
0: If we're talking about the speculative genre, you know, you know, I was big in a Batman late eighties, early nineties with that Batman craze. So, uh, you know, I was uh, I started collecting Batman comics for yeah while uh, there. So I love all those.
1: Man, you were born at a great time. I thought I had a pretty good run of it, but actually, I think you you kind of had a really good time to be born.
0: <laughs> yeah, I was able to grab uh, most of the seventies and all of the eighties, right? So that's like
1: yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Holy Venus the whale, you're right. A genre podcast. Clearly, that's our show. So we won't even yeah, sure, you're save us, save us the embarrassment <laughs> of having to deal with that praise. Um uh yeah, so any if there's anything else that you see here, audiobook, documentary. Audiobook. You
0: know what I had back about 20 years ago, or maybe even longer, 30 years ago, is I had the on cassette. I had William Shatner's uh Star Trek Memories.
1: Oh wow.
0: Cassette. I think he did he did two books. I think one was like like the the TV show, and one was the film, I think, or something mm. like that, maybe. But I don't know. I, it's four. It's four cassettes. I bought it on cassette of William Shatner reading uh, his uh, his Star Trek memories, which was hilarious because you know I was big into uh, Shatner and yeah, you know, buying the records and everything like that. TJ Hooker fan and all that stuff. Right.
1: <laughs> that sounds like it would be great for sampling, like oh, yeah, throw, for a a musical stuff. project.
0: I remember there was that thing on. Uh, Howard Stern used to play that clip of him say, uh, mispronouncing sabotage. Sabotage,
2: and, yes, yes. I say
0: sabotage or something like that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yep. right. And Shatner was getting mad. It's like, yo, you say you say sabotage. I say sabotage or something like that. <laughs> <laughs>
1: that's, uh, that's like actually, it reminds me of a podcast I heard recently about the uh, pronunciation of Bachman or Bachman. But uh, yeah, again, great show, there, Lee. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I I am very much becoming known for my mispronunciation. So, uh anything may come out of my mouth. Um pardon me for that. Uh should we uh move move on here, dude? Yeah. Let's do it. As long as as stories have been told and and art has been produced by humans in, on cave walls, we've also been singing songs. So, it's no surprise that uh among the things that get sung about beyond uh you know falling in love falling out of love uh, Mm. cars trucks and beer um there's also been a lot written about uh covering science fiction topics so ufos outer space going to outer space monsters the whole thing so today that's what we're we're covering with galactic rock. Um, And uh, that's why Lee was a a came, came to mind immediately for uh, a guest on the show. Um, So really we're going to do a lot of spitballing in terms of uh, things that we love. We'll try to present it a little bit in in chronological order, but we will be jumping around and we will have sidebars galore. Um, Is there anything that sort of uh, just sort of comes to mind for you Leah, on the topic before we like jump into some listing
0: well it seems like all of my favorite bands have at least one song that kind of would fit into this right it's just one of those topics like you said uh one of those things to write about like uh, girls cars and, and sci-fi right <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's like as, as a young boy it, it's, you always have this kind of fascination with the outer world space travel the moon right so it kind of lends itself to fitting into songs right like comic books movies music it all kind of fits right yeah. as well as uh i love scores right a lot of those mm. the sci-fi films i love the scores of these films we mentioned john williams earlier you know i love listening to his scores for the star wars stuff superman uh et is one of my favorite scores right and uh you know all, all those even like the uh the theme songs for uh, tv shows that kind of instrumental stuff so you know, just a lot of interesting stuff with uh, science fiction, and it lends itself with uh, rock and roll, especially a lot of heavy metal, too, right? Like, I love heavy metal and Kiss, and uh, mm-hmm. some of those bands have explored, uh, uh, you know, a lot of sci-fi themes in their music.
2: Yeah. yeah, and one thing, I'm going to heat up my uh, 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 um, hot chocolate in a second. So I'm going to leave you guys for about <laughs> You're badass. But I just wanted to jump in because the moment you mentioned Kiss, and this is sort of showing my age a bit, but and maybe how odd I was when I was young. But 40 years ago, I was in the Kiss, Kiss Air Band. A friend of mine who is a huge Kiss fan, Marcus Nerger, who has actually been on tons of the cruises, and he's met Kiss, and he's done all this stuff. And he does these amazing images and presents them to them. And, and he's got all these photos of him with Kiss. Um, he got me in a Kiss airband in his garage. I was Gene Simmons. We're all dressed up. He made designed this guitar that had the axe handle, and it was just kind. And then I had just learned these songs and actually perform as if I was in Kiss. So it was kind of a shout out forty years ago, basically, for me being in that Kiss airband.
0: I was yeah, really right. I mean KISS is cool because you got Gene Simmons representing like the horror and you got Ace representing the space and the, the sci-fi, right?
1: Um I was gonna say too, Lee, that you know it's it's no surprise that um sort of the birth of rock and roll is happening exactly at the time the space race is happening, mm-hmm. you know? So it's, you know, you also have if in the world of film, that's when all these B movies are happening with uh, science fiction themes about outer space and whatnot. Um, so, again, yeah, just not a surprise that it, the theme would be echoed in popular music. Um, now, you actually sent something to me. I, the, I thought the earliest... Uh, space-related song that I could recall. I thought it was Purple People Eater by Sheb Woolley, which was 58. But you sent this kick-ass tune. What's yeah, that for the early top, one? Rock and roll. That's it,
0: yes. yeah Yeah, Sun Studio, Memphis, Tennessee. That's uh, Billy Lee Riley. And his band is actually called Billy Lee Riley and his Little Green Men, right? like little mm-hmm. green Martians, right? And they have this big hit flying saucer rock and roll, which is about these uh, – <laughs> these these aliens like these aliens rocking around the galaxy kind of thing, right? With a little yeah. gun, right? Yeah, we're just get- out a rock and roll.
1: We're definitely going to get a taste of that. <laughs> there And then the other one, actually, you know, some of these early ones I really, really love. Uh, Out of Limits, I did not know the name of the song. Well, it's actually an instrumental by The Markets from 1963. Um, The odd thing is that um, it really is using the Twilight Zone riff. Um, And when it was first released, Rod Serling, the creator of the Twilight Zone, sued them. (laughs) And, And they changed it. But it's it's odd because his show wasn't Outer Limits; it was Twilight Zone. So I don't even get why there was an issue. I mean, not with the title, but with the the riff. Um, how do you feel about that that track?
0: Oh, I love that song, man. There's a there's a lick in there. They play the the the, the, the Twilight Zone thing, but then like on the second time through, the guitar player starts playing this lick. Yeah, oh, it's the best. Great, the Marquettes. Who knows who's in that band? But I think they were one of the yeah. uh, one of the Wrecking Crew bands, right? You know, all those musicians that are part right. of the Wrecking Crew, uh, or like Earl Palmer, Hal Blaine. All yeah. those. Guys, they would play in these band, these instrumental bands, and they would just call them the Marquettes or the whoever's or the Telsted all these bands, right? But it was actually these these heavy session players performing on all these tracks. So uh, I think that might be one.
1: Yeah, so very much like what was going on with the with the. Stacks and the, the house musicians there with Cropper and Dunn and those guys, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so Telstar is one that is kind of iffy. I know some people are going to say, well, that's not, it's not science fiction. It's just based on science fact uh, because Telstar, I guess it's the satellite. Uh, again, this is, uh, we're talking about the space race era, but there is something about this track that, it's one of my all-time favorite pieces of music i don't care what the genre is but and, and i can't even tell you why i love it so much but it it like gets it gets to a part of my brain that just moves me and i don't know if it's because it was maybe a really early track that i heard as a kid um but it just feels like to me the sound of music, and I don't mean, I don't mean the musical. I don't mean the Van Traps. Um, you
0: you so got to think too. We're talking about instrumental songs too. Yes, where they're just kind of taking like a sci-fi title and then putting instrumental music to it. A lot of the songs we'll talk about later have that lyric to reinforce uh-huh. the sci-fi theme to it. But now we're just taking an instrumental piece of music, and you might think, well, why? How is this instrumental piece sci-fi related other than the title? Right, but they, they, you got to try and kind of emulate, give some of those vibes and those themes. Right, there was one song I kind of was making a list for this and, uh, I uh, was looking through my, my library, my digital library. And the Vaughn brothers, Stevie Ray Vaughn and Jimmy Vaughn on their, their record, they have a song, an instrumental song called Bill from Outer Space. <laughs> right, so it's not really sci fi other than, you're thinking, well, this is what I guess hillbillies playing music in outer space would sound like, kind of. That's thing. that's a great
1: concept. That's a great. That's concept. That's kind of interesting.
0: So it's just an instrumental tune, but I guess you know. One of them probably say, hey, man, we sound like hillbilly Billy Smarter Space. That's the title kind of thing, right? (laughs) That's a
1: film. That's a film I want to see. Like That sounds like a perfect elevator pitch to me. Um, So Telstar, (laughs) I need to play a little bit of Telstar, but I did want to say that um, it was written by Joe Meek. It's the first British band to hit number one in the U.S. and U.K. So, you know, getting there before the Beatles. And supposedly Joe Meek and uh, George Martin had sort of a a bit of a, uh, a rivalry going, but uh, I need to read more about that. It does come up in uh, the Lewison book uh, Tune In, but uh, anyway, thank God Joe Meek gave us uh, Telstar. Oh yeah. So Lee, do you have any idea about what's going on at the beginning of that track? You know, before it actually kicks in, there's some weird like sound effect of like a weird motory thing starting up or something. Any ideas what's what might be going on there? I couldn't find any insights.
0: Yeah, I'm not sure. I forget off the top of my hat. Okay. I to look into that, but uh, that's early sixties, right? They're very experimental in the studio trying to get different sounds. And I assume they're trying to emulate some sort of a sci-fi kind of satellite kind of machine kind of sound right to kick off this instrumental tune i'm not sure
1: yeah oh and and speaking of trying to get a sci-fi sound and this is very much sort of a sidebar question but um is there anything that's more science fiction sounding than a theremin
0: yeah that's pretty cool
1: right (laughs) yeah what a what a cool uh little invention Uh, do we want to jump into the birds or would you like to take us somewhere that fits in there Lee with this era
0: yeah I guess we're going chronologically eh? in the 60s yeah I guess loosely the bird, yeah yeah the birds Mr. Spaceman that's a big one right
1: yeah yeah and um, I didn't realize this I've been listening to the door into summer by the monkeys for years and I didn't realize that it's uh, loosely influenced by uh, a Robert A. Heinlein novel um, but that track is on uh, 1967's Pisces, Aquarius, Capricorn, and Jones Limited, a great uh, Monkeys album. And I am a Monkeys Defender till the day I die, especially if it involves Nesmith. So it's uh, sung, sung by Mike Nesmith. Do you have any thoughts on that? I know you're also a Monkeys fan.
0: Yeah, I love that song. That's one of my favorites. I wasn't aware of the uh, the, the sci fi connection to it or anything. I thought it was just a good kind of summer song. Yeah, <laughs> I,
1: and I did want to point out to folks, uh, at least uh, Monkeys fans, and if, and and everybody should be a Monkeys fan. Let's face it. Um, episode 26 of season two is called the Frotus Caper, aka Mikokogio, which is supposedly uh, it's the f- it's four family members of mickey dolans uh put together uh, mickey dolans wrote and directed the episode and it's just a crazy ass episode it's the final one of the entire series um where there's this organic uh plant alien that emerges in the final scene he pops out of this ufo and basically he gets everybody stoned like as soon as they uh, get near the smoke from uh, yeah. from the Frotus. Wanna fight anymore. <laughs> I just want to lay down on the grass and be cool. <laughs> Which I thought was awesome. Very much of the time. Yeah, it's like
0: a big pot plant. And it is in the uh <laughs> I forget the name of the, the villain or alien, but it's uh it's it's a, uh, it's Rip Taylor, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Like it. yeah, chasing them around. But then as soon as he gets, you know, wind of the smoke, he's like, I don't wanna fight anymore. <laughs> What's the
0: song from that episode is it, it's it 's a weird song like Zorin Sam or something like yeah, that,
1: yeah, and I think that which is in itself almost a sci fi type of yeah. it's a it's a story song um and I think it was one of those ones where it was changed, i believe in syndication originally it wasn 't Zoran Sam, it was something else, but right. um I thought we had to include the the track which I think David reminded me of in the year twenty five twenty five by Jaeger and Evans. Uh, which you used to hear all the time on shows like Psychedelic Sunday. Um, it, it was like, supposedly it is the ultimate one hit wonder because, uh, Jaeger and Evans, uh, sc- scored with that song and then they never charted anything else again. Like usually a follow up to a one hit wonder will be like maybe 98 for a week, you know, but, but this was like it, it, they disappeared. Maybe they maybe they time traveled into the year twenty five twenty five.
2: In the year twenty
1: five twenty five, if man is still alive, if woman can survive, they may find. In the year thirty-five, thirty-five, ain't gonna need to tell the truth, tell no lies. Everything you think, do, and say is in the bill you took today. In the year 45, 45, ain't gonna need your
0: teeth, won't you won't find a thing to chew. Nobody's
2: gonna look at you. In the year 55, 55 your arms
0: are hanging limp at your side. Your
1: legs got nothing to do. Some machine doing that for you. In the year 65. Should we do a little Floyd?
0: Yeah, Pink Floyd. I, I'm not a big fan of them. Uh, but <laughs> they're, they're too slow and they don't rock but yeah, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. I guess uh what's that one Astronomy Domine or whatever the one yeah. uh, uh-huh. Boy, Vod, Boy VOD covered that
1: right? it has that opening bit which has a kind of cool almost um like rockabilly sounding guitar that like on the E where it's like yeah. um, and, th- and underneath of it there's like NASA audio being played like the first 10 seconds of, I don't know, like a space launch or something from uh, Space Command or whatever uh, they call it. Of course, you know. Then Floyd went on to basically define the genre that is known as space rock. Um, they also had uh, a track "Childhood's End" from Obscured by Clouds, which is another based on um, uh, "Childhood's End." Is that uh, Clark David Arthur C. Clark?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah.
2: And that was big at its time. Like I think that came out. I think it was early seventies. Childhood's End.
1: shout in your sleep. Perhaps the prize is just too steep. Is your conscience at rest? Once to put to the test. I think Floyd always had a little bit of that. They always had some sort of themes going or, or whatnot. Um, well, one of my favorite bands before you move off. Floyd. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh,
0: yeah. Right? Uh, when I was in high school, I think it was uh, either grade 11. We had an elective course. They had like an astronomy course. It was the first time they were trying this course. And there was a teacher, I believe his name was Mr. Ward. a <laughs> cool guy. He looked like Einstein kind of had a big, uh, bushy mustache kind of thing, but he, he was, he could tell he was a huge astronomy guy. Uh, kind of nerd about it all, right? And we used to watch, it was funny, it was a great course. it was super easy, right? And I think every Friday, we would watch a sci-fi movie, <laughs> right? Uh-huh. And then I remember at one point, he had some sort of video of like, uh, like uh, outer space shots, interstellar, like galaxies that we were watching, and he showed us this video, and he played like Dark Side of the Moon while we watched it. <laughs> <laughs> wow! It was pretty cool, because he could tell you this guy was like, a, he was kind of an older hippie kind of guy, but this Holy. was like uh, early 90s when I was taking this class, right? But it was pretty cool. But I remember him playing, like, I think it was Time off of uh, Dark Side of the Moon or something like that. Yeah, but don't be,
2: don't be surprised, Lee, if what they were showing was an NFB film called Universe that was quite popular for them to show kids in classrooms. Yeah. That even though it was a bit dated, it would have been perfect to play that kind of music behind it.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> Yeah, I had a similar teacher for my science fiction English class in high school. Um, and I think see, I'm visualizing the same dude. In fact, I don't know if it's true or not, but I heard from other students that he actually had been a, uh, a Vietnam vet that had, uh, somehow got back and then just came to Canada. Um, but, um, yeah, in fact, a lot of my, my genre love was sort of instilled by that guy or, or helped reinforced by that guy. Um, Mr. Wood, I will give him a shout out, thank you for all that Um, so I'm a huge Who fan, most people who know me know that so I thought I had to touch on a few Who things Um, yeah the first couple come from the Who sell out from 1967 which is their third album and their first concept album and that was obviously a big thing for the Who but one of the things I always loved about them Lee was that you know, they have these concepts going on, but the music sounds like, um, you know, it sounds heavy. It's, it is heavy, you know? And Well,
0: yeah, it's the thing where you, you, Pete Townsend is writing these songs, and no matter where he goes, no matter where he stretches, he's always got to bring it back to Roger, John, and Keith, and they're going to do with it what they do with it, which is turn it into the who, like yeah. a like heavy, hard rock, punk rock. Yeah. What are they going to do with it, right? So it's going to have that element, no, no matter if they're singing about – uh being a rebel, science fiction, or chicks, or whatever, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah, I I always used to say, for me, the reason that Who was my favorite band was um, they were as cerebral as the most airy-fairy, arty-farty prog rock band, but they were as heavy as, you know, like a band like ACDC, and I love that combination of muscularity and and cerebral uh, stuff going on. (laughs) Yeah, we had Harmony in the Sky from the Who Sell Out. The big one, of course, is Who's Next, which was originally supposed to be Lifehouse, another concept album that followed Tommy. Um, and there's so much going on there. First of all, we have the tracks, Bob O'Reilly, Won't Get Fooled Again, Going Mobile, which are all related to the theme of the story, which is this. Uh, it's, it's set in the future. It's a post-apocalyptic world. But there is... What is basically the internet, and and Townsend at the time basically had a breakdown because he kept trying to describe to people the internet uh, like thirty years or I guess twenty five years before the internet existed, and they're like, what are you talking about? You can just talk to people at home like on your tv and you can see a concert on your tv and we're all together and they're like what the fuck are you talking about <laughs> um so when the internet came around townsend was so excited because he was like see this is what i was talking about <laughs> this, this is what the story is about um so yeah the idea is you go into this thing called the band goes into a thing called the life house where they play and people all over the world through their experience suit, he called it, you know, get to, like, get off on this rock and roll. Um, so Bubba O'Reilly is is the introduction to it. And it's amazing, that track, because as soon as the first few notes hit, you go, this is totally unlike anything you've heard by The Who. It totally suggests otherness. Like, you know, you are in this spacey sci-fi world immediately. Um, yet it doesn't go off into like a yes type of meandering you then get like some piano and then keith moon takes over and you go oh yeah it's the who
0: yeah yeah classic yeah
1: And on the cover, we get this sort of parody of 2001, which, sorry, I have a couple of my albums here. On the cover, you see the band who they've just pissed against what is supposed to be the monolith from 2001, you know, and you have sort of this like moon-like background. Um, And supposedly all of that was just uh, kind of fortuitous. They were, from what I understand, like they were on the bus or something touring England and they were... Up in this desolate northern area of England, and it's like, well, we're going to piss there. You know, they stopped for a piss break, and and you get the uh, that that classic cover shot. Come on back for part two of our three part look and listen at Galactic Rock with guest Lee McCormick.
0: His thanks to all of us, and naturally the adventure team equipment. Good old
2: buddy, but you forgot to thank me for something, Joe.
0: What's that? My record collection.